This episode of Hitting Play is brought to you without commercial interruption by James the Haiku Lobster. You spend 18 years raising your kids, then all of a sudden, oh, they think they're raising you. Drinking liquid soap isn't the same as a flu shot, Papa. Give me a break. So now this week, right, my youngest tells me that the novelty singing fish that I have hanging up in the kitchen is, quote, tacky. I said to him, you find me something better. And wouldn't you know it, that little son of a me did. I present to you James, the haiku lobster. So now, when the guests arrive, they hear this. A diamond flashlight. Magazine butter whistle. Pencil sharpener. Hey, it's like Buckingham Palace over here. Hey, long story short, I can't say enough good stuff about it. Get one for yourself. James the Haiku Lobster. Best way to start your day is by play. Hello and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and for this episode, we're talking about one of the greatest shows, in my opinion, ever to air. Uh, really a cornerstone in the history of television, The Tonight Show. But uh, more specifically, we are talking about a very tumultuous period of the show's history, when just for seven months, it was The Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien. And joining me on the Hitting Play Hotline is a very special guest. Uh, you may know him as a hilarious stand-up and the host of Sit Down, Shut Up, Stand Up, the hilarious comedian from Calgary, Alberta, Jeff De Silva. Jeff, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. This is great. Well, I, Jeff, I first heard of you through the, uh, the radio show Am I Right from Calgary, Alberta, hosted by uh, Evan and Jesse. Uh, and from there, I saw some of your stand-up online and I saw some of the sketches you did with uh, Science Bear was the group. Uh, yeah. What happened was that I, I guess, like, prior to any kind of crazy stuff happening in in my life, I was, I, I came from an improv background and had done improv for a bunch of years, and then I kind of fell out of it for a while uh, and um, was kind of doing, like, trying to, I was trying to be a mortgage broker, I guess, but I started right around 2008. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was living at my parents' home, but I could pass the mortgage broker's test. And I passed the test, and I thought uh, the one of the big banks here had convinced uh, me uh, that that was, like, the key to a bunch of money or whatever. So I was working from home, and I started filming, like, short ads because in my brain that was how you get to the lucrative mortgage money. Yeah. Um, so I started filming short, like, and teaching myself how to edit short kind of film type things and posting them on like YouTube and Funny or Die and that sort of thing. And from there I got kind of hooked into a few 48-hour film making competitions which with the guys who eventually became Science Fair, I guess. But yeah, those those ads were, uh, I think most of them have been taken down. But like one was like about a refinance, uh, like if you want to get a refinance, it was, it was refi, like that's the mortgage terms for refinance. It's, it's called a refi. So I did like an Amy Winehouse parody video um, <laughs> of like trying to get a refi or something like that. And uh, all the mortgage community, like the people that worked at the bank that I used to work at before I and embarked on this mortgage broker thing, they loved 
loved it. So then I was like, oh, I got to make more videos. And then slowly but surely, they were they were less like um, home loans related and more <laughs> like just weird pun stuff and weird like stuff that I was interested in that sort of thing. Nice. And th- yeah, and then I lucked out. I got featured on a few different uh, things at the time because it wasn't like there wasn't so much content back then. So. Uh, Comedy Central had uh, Adam.com and some songs that I wrote got on there. And then our Canadian Comedy Network featured some stuff. So that was kind of like the genesis of my, I guess, involvement maybe with Science Fair. And then eventually that uh, turned into my involvement with The Tonight Show, I guess. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, see, after seeing you and, and hearing you and all that stuff, it wasn't until I followed you on Twitter which uh, you have a very hilarious uh, Twitter feed, by the way. People should follow you. But uh, it wasn't until there that I found out that you actually interned at uh, one of my favorite shows of all time. Do you want me to just go right into it? Well, you know what? Before we get into your involvement, I kind of wanted to give a little history just for listeners that aren't, you know, necessarily up to speed about the situation. Uh, I'll I'll just go through this briefly. Uh, But for those that are interested in really learning about the history of, of Conan and his shows and all of the details of this, you know, controversy, uh, I definitely recommend there's a book called The The War for Late Night by Bill Carter. Uh, it's a sequel to his very famous book, The Late Shift. And uh, yeah, it's it's amazing uh, how detailed that book is and all of the shuffling that was going on. And it's uh, it, it's crazy. Um, yeah, so just, just to kind of give people an idea, on, uh, on September 27th, 2004, uh, there was an announcement by NBC that in 2009, Jay Leno was going to retire, he was going to end his 17-year run as host of The Tonight Show, and Conan O'Brien was going to take his place as the host, and this was just going to be a very smooth transition. It was going to avoid that controversy that was similar when um, Jay Leno and David Letterman were vying to be Johnny Carson's replacement, so you know it looked like it was going to be going very smoothly, and uh, so you fast forward four years to 2008, and now Jay Leno started to change his mind about retirement, and it was announced that instead he was going to be hosting a new talk show called The Jay Leno Show. And that would air weeknights at 10 p.m. Now, Jeff, did you ever see The, the Jay Leno Show? Did that air in, in Canada? It sure did. <laughs> I, saw, I saw Jay Leno, I think like he did a go-kart race with, with a bunch of people. Yeah. It was filmed in like a Burbank park. It was, it was filmed in like his garage or something, wasn't it? <laughs> Like it was in a weird place in Burbank, and I knew. It. But the the interesting thing about the Jay Leno show, I think, like people, a lot of people, like plenty of garbage. Like I did, I did not have great feelings ever for uh, for Jay Leno. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, he was featuring people like Nick Dune, uh, uh, doing like uh, monologues and that sort of thing. And I think like Garfunkel and Oates were on there, hmm. and they they were, they had a certain group of. Uh, LA comedians that he was somehow featuring, doing little bits here and there, that I found interesting. I don't know why I was watching it at the time, but uh, whenever they would have someone of interest on to me, I would I would tune in. So I think that's where I saw like the the go kart races and that sort of thing. And, and well, that aside, you know, aside from from the talent, because there was a you know, of course, a rich uh, talent pool there of, of great comedians that they could feature on the show. But that aside. The actual show, Entertainment Weekly called it the biggest bomb of all time, which... Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, put the, I, I probably was the, the nicest critic of the Jay Leno show <laughs> of all time right there. I was like, oh, it was pretty redeemable. Like, I was like, my, my high mark for, like, um, television 
television is like I like I watch a lot of like like Little Einstein and stuff. <laughs> so so every like the last movie I, I'd seen was like I don't know like Rango, something like that. So like Jay Leno show was like pushing boundaries, opening my mind up to like different things at the time. <laughs> well, the um, it was it was just a a weird thing because 10 p.m. was always reserved for dramas, you know, and this was going to be the the a talk show format. And basically, it was a rehash of his Tonight Show. The The only thing is he removed the desk, so it was kind of just two chairs on stage. A little uh, bit more intimate. I guess. And, and he mixed in some new segments. He had old segments like headlines and jaywalking, things that worked in the past. But then he had like 10 at 10, where he asked celebrities 10 questions, and I guess the, the other 10 meant that it was at 10 o'clock. Oh, yeah, yeah. I it, remember that. It was... Well, there's one infamous... Uh, 10 for 10 with Jimmy Kimmel, which I think they pulled from YouTube. And uh, it was, uh, did you ever hear about that? Yeah, I did. I actually watched that when, um, didn't that one, it happened almost, um, we're jumping ahead here, but it, didn't it happen after some of this Conan hubbub had already started to go south? Yes. Uh, and uh, Kimmel just basically like flat out. Um, was like, why are you doing this? Why, why don't you quit? Or why don't you go retire, Jay? Like, you have enough money. Like, those were the things that, that Kimmel was saying. It was so amazing. I, I remember that. Yeah, it's, uh, the, the war, that book, The War for Late Night, goes into it in more detail. And, you know, this is all allegedly, I don't know, the real behind-the-scenes stuff, but supposedly Jay Leno was really, like, uh, trying to be friendly with Jimmy Kimmel and trying to use behind the scenes his like friendship with Jimmy Kimmel as leverage, kind of like, see, you know, this guy's on my side. And when Jimmy Kimmel found out he was kind of being used in this way, he just went after him. He he did a whole episode of his show dressed as Jay Leno. Oh, I remember that. Which was hilarious. And then he, this is when he had him on, like, oh, well, come on my show and we'll do the 10 for 10. And one of the questions was, you know, and they were just the dumbest broad questions like uh what's the craziest prank you've ever pulled and and jimmy kimmel said uh oh one time i told this guy that in five years he could have my show and then almost instantly i took it back from him it was like oh man <laughs> oh i remember this very vividly uh, yeah it's so it was so good so good. yeah it was so great but kimmel does some interesting stuff oh yeah all the time his show actually used to be live which was pretty interesting to watch yeah, I can't, I can't remember watching any, or I may have thought I've known, but yeah, that must have been pretty interesting. And they've always had, like, I think they had one time, like, Zach Galifianakis goes into a room and, like, tells jokes for, like, school students, like, kindergarten <laughs> students. So they had, like, bits like that, which were, like, interesting. And they, they've had, like, good people writing for them, too, I think, like, Morgan Murphy and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And not to not to get too much on on uh, Jimmy Kimmel's show, but yeah. he, and when he first started, he had uh, a co-host every week. Like there was a new co-host, and the, that co-host would stay for the whole week. So he had Slash as his co-host for a week. Oh, crazy! And he had uh, Zach Galifianakis on for one, and uh, you know he had the huge beard at the time. Yeah. And then one of I think it was like the last day he shaved the beard for like the last day and played a character. I think like his his cousin or his brother Seth. Their I forget. Brother. Yeah. Just very, very funny. Yeah, and I th there's, there's, there's always, I think, like, there's always things that crop up in all these people that, if especially at that time, like, it was so, because my life, like, that, that period of my life was so um, tied to all this stuff. Like, I read, I read the book, mm -hmm. 
while I was, like, so my story is kind of interesting because I was, I'd gone, so I failed as a mortgage broker. Like, my time there, my contract ended, but what happened is that I received a scholarship to go back to uh, do my MBA, Mm -hmm. to to do a a business master's. So I was going to go back full-time, and I'm like, I got to figure something out to, like, basically uh, pay for my comedy passions or whatever until something interesting happens or if I, like, ever could make some money off of it. So then I, like, went back to school, and I was, like, in, on my first day of my MBA, they're like, oh, where would you want to intern? And I'm like, well, I want to intern for Conan because my, as a 14-year-old watching late night and staying up, like, we used to have to, uh, in mountain time, like our time zone, our time zone's mountain time, which is the coolest time zone. <laughs> like the, the coolest thing to be able to be like, oh, like follow Sherpa up a mountain. It's mountain time. <laughs> like it's we, it's a, it's way better than Pacific or Eastern or whatever it is. Hey, hey, hey. We we used to have to stay up to like one a.m. to watch uh, the old late night show. Oh wow! Uh, and we, me and kind of my kind of high school buddies used to stay up all the time and watch things like the Kembe Matumbo, uh, like the. The like Robert Smigel kind of um, <laughs> uh, talking head type stuff, and yep. like uh, the satellite TV channels, and like all those old late night bits. We like worship those. So as a fifteen year old who was into improv and that sort of thing, my dream was always to intern for Conan, but I didn't know how to do it. Like there was no, there wasn't really much internet. <laughs> Uh, back then mm-hmm. so there was no like I, I had no idea it was like people would have those kind of uh, aspirations but it was like a mystery as to how any of that happened and then when I went back to university like the internet had happened and then I'd had all these kind of shorts and that sort of thing so I just like took the active steps to like put together a resume that like linked to those shorts and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and then like applied directly to the place and I called and that sort of thing and I was like did you guys receive my thing and then I, I was kind of naive like I didn't know that anything would happen what happened was like uh in November when it was still the t- so it was the Tonight Show with Conan I got a call on my phone as as I was like driving in a snowstorm or something like that in Calgary and uh they're like hey it's us at the at the Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien, we'd like to interview you uh, for an internship, and I was like, uh, "What? Like, <laughs> wow! Like that's so that's so crazy." Um, and they're like, "Yeah, we want you to fly in uh, to interview you in person." And it was like during exam time in my MBA. Oh no! Um, so and I had no money. Like I was living at my parents' and full time student. So. My parents kind of basically, they told me and my girlfriend, who became my wife now, mother of my children, mm-hmm. uh, at the time she was my girlfriend, they flew us down to Los Angeles, and I was like, this is first, and I went in between exams, so I had like an exam, then we flew down for like two days, and it was when they were still at the other lot, so not Warner, but wherever the Tonight Show has been. Uh, taped, I mm-hmm. guess. And maybe it was Warner, I can't remember. But it was surreal. So you go into like this building and there's like pictures of like Conan with Will Ferrell <laughs> and like Conan interviewing Tom Hanks and like, and the whole time you're like, this is like, none of this is real. Like, this is so 
not, not supposed to happen to a kid from Canada or whatever. <laughs> and uh, and I got in dressed in a suit and that sort of thing. And then uh, they just interviewed me. Like one of the, the intern coordinator interviewed me and she was like, yeah, so do you want this? Like that was like the question. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. So she was like, what kind of intern would you like to be? And I'm like, well, I'd, like to, I'd love to be a monologue intern, but like I will do anything. Like I was just, my goal was to, if I had to sweep the floors there, I just want to contribute to the show. Sure, sure. Like, And they're like, okay, so you can, if you can, it can be a production intern or something like that. Or I was going to be in like their production accounting, actually. Okay. So, so then they were like, yeah, you can be in this area or whatever and you can start in the summer so then my wife and i flew back we like celebrate before we flew back we saw a little of what los angeles had to offer (laughs) in terms of like we ate at california pizza kitchen and then we um, (laughs) went to the wax museum and i stuck my hand in like diddy's uh star like uh (laughs) on the walk of fame that was the one i chose to have my picture taken nice by uh sean combs and like we saw a little bit of what los angeles had to offer and then we flew back like and then uh, they said in the summer you'd get to go so in january of that year we were looking for sublets um in los angeles like places to live or whatever and news on TMZ was that Jay Leno was unhappy about his position at uh, on the Jay Leno show and he was taking the Tonight Show back and from that moment on every uh, episode of the Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien directly was impacting like uh, that whole saga was directly impacting what was going to happen I guess in my over my summer because I was planning to go there that summer I didn't realize this was all kind of happening at the same time. Yeah, this was all happening at the same time. Wow. So people, and then people at my school knew that knew me as the guy who had interviewed uh, to go work for Conan. And the biggest story in television or even in media at that time was Conan's, like, unhappiness with his position or whatever and all the NBC kind of late-night war stuff going on. And... So uh, all of that was directly affecting whether I'd end up in Los Angeles or not. So, wow. yeah, so when he did that speech where he was, like, um, he, on the last Tonight Show when it was canceled, and he was, like, um, just, like, be be nice and be happy and amazing things will happen. Yeah. I was living at my parents' house and began to, uh, like, basically bawl because I was like, oh, my God, like, this dream internship that I was impossible, like shouldn't have never happened to me, uh, was going as much as like at that point there was no Conan on TBS. Mm-hmm. So, um, I hadn't gotten a chance to, uh, go. So I was like, oh my God, like, I'm not, I don't know what's going to happen. So the show was canceled. And then I was like, I guess like, that's it. Like case closed. Good story. Oh man. Like, Conan went on his, like, tour. He did, like, a live show tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the legally prohibited from being funny on television tour. <laughs> yeah, so they, he did that tour, and they came to Edmonton, which is about three hours north of where I live. And uh, my wife and then my sister and myself, we drove up to Edmonton, and uh, I had tickets to, to go to that 
It was it was like surreal. So uh, we went. I wrote a letter to uh, Conan saying like, I don't know where you're going to end up, but I hope that wherever you do end up, I want to um, somehow be involved with it. And then that was that. Like uh, I, we gave the letter to one of the roadies, mm-hmm. thinking like that's never going to get to him. Like that. Like what's the chances of that? But uh, so we did that, and then uh, over that time. Unrelated to this Conan thing, um, one of my improv mentors uh, had worked with a fellow who was working for Jimmy Fallon show, mm-hmm. and I contacted him, the, the fellow who was writing for um, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, and I was like, hey, um, I uh, am not going to get the intern for Conan, but here's kind of my story, and he's like, how about you try and apply to our internship? at Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, and um, so I did, and I got an interview, and it, but it was over the phone, like a Skype type. Okay. <laughs> and then they were like, what do you want to, like, we have two kind of internship streams. Uh, one, you can be a production intern, or two, you can be like the Roots go-to guy. So I was like, I want the second one. <laughs> I want to hang out with Questlove, like, that's the best thing ever. Yeah. And, uh... I didn't get that internship because I was like, I think one, because I didn't fly into New York, and then two, because it was probably like a trick question. They're like, does this person want to hang out with celebrities? Oh, sure, yeah. So then I thought like, okay, that's like my, um, that's like the end of that. And November of the following year, it was announced that Conan was going to be at TBS. And I got a call from... Uh, their new intern coordinator, and they're like, hey, we heard what happened. Uh, is there any way you're able to still receive school credit and come intern for us this next summer? So I, like, dropped a course in my MBA and, like, extended my program so I could do a directed study. And then uh, my wife and I got married, and then we moved down to Los Angeles. Wow. And then, yeah, and then I internet, I, I, my internship actually, I was technically, I guess, the intern at Conan at The Tonight Show, but never got to live that out. But then my sure. actual internship happened at Conan's TBS show. That's awesome. So, well, I mean, you were uh, an intern for Conan. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, so I, I was a research intern there. So sitting, basically, uh, like I got to sit on the, on the writer's floor and, like, scoured through TMZ and stuff, figuring out articles that the research team could then piece together to uh, develop questions that Conan would eventually, like, ask. Uh, like, most memorably, I found, like, some picture of Shaq on a, on a little go-kart. <laughs> um, and then the research team, like, presented either that picture or something to Conan. And then eventually, that same day at the taping, I got to see Conan and Shaq ride tiny go-karts around the studio oh, wow. a bit. So it was like the craziest, like the the, the Conan staff and the Conan um, writing team and everyone there, They, I feel like they treat their interns really well in terms of like, they really like mentor people and people are open to having conversations and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. like... I feel like I don't know. It was it was the most surreal experience. Every day you'd get to watch the rehearsal where Conan would work through the bits and say kind of what's going to go on and what needs more retooling. Mm-hmm. And then every day at four they would tape, and it was just like if you've ever seen. I always like liken it to when they rebooted the the Muppets movie and Walter goes to Muppet Land. Um, <laughs> 
this is what this felt like for a kid who grew up idolizing Conan and loving comedy and not thinking. As a kid, like, I was always like, I either want to work on SNL or I want to intern for Conan. And it was always intern for Conan. It wasn't like I hadn't figured out beyond that what I was going to do. But I was like, if I could, like, intern for Conan because, like, John Krasinski interned for him and, like, um, Kimmy Smith uh, interned for him, like, Mindy Kaling. Oh, yeah, there's a huge yeah. list of, like, when I would watch old episodes, I mean, you'd see, like, Jack McBrayer and Rob Riggle and Ellie Kemper and... Yeah. Uh, or was it Ellie Kemper? No, Ellie Kemper's husband, I think, was a was an intern there. He uh, was a writer, and then he writes now for, or I think he was a writer for, not Nathan, for, I think he maybe is a contributing writer for Nathan for you. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, um, there. yeah, so all these people, like, that I was, like, so I was like, yeah, I want to intern there, and then I'll be famous or something like that. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so it was just surreal, and it was, like, so many crazy things happened. But I have to say, like, the whole summer, I hadn't really taken a picture or anything like that. With it. Like, I was too scared to go and ask Conan, like, hey, can I get a picture? I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah, yeah. But the last day of my internship, my wife's like, you should just ask, like, ask the intern coordinator if you can get a picture or whatever. And so I asked and none of the other interns really asked at the time, except for like two or three. And at the end of that last day, they're like, hey, and Conan was always kind of around and walking about and Andy was around and the writers were, like those writers, all of them are, like they were awesome people. Like if you were able to, if you had any sort of question or any sort of guidance you were looking for, or like one of my favorite bits on the old late night show was Awesome Dave's Awesome Counting Channel, which is a Brian McCann bit. Um, and literally, it was just this like cool guy who was counting, and it was a big satellite uh, channel. Yep. And uh, uh, one day, I was like, "Okay, it's my like last week. I need to. I'm gonna knock on like Brian's door and be like, hey, he'd like. I just want to tell you like." Awesome Dave's Awesome Counting Channel was, like, the best bit. And uh, Brian was like, oh, thanks. Uh, I don't think Conan liked it that much, but it was something that I fought for to get in or something like that. And I was like, that's the coolest thing in the world. Like, I just talked to Awesome Dave about how that was almost <laughs> cut because it was so stupid. Um, and, like, all of them were great. Like, Andre's uh, Dubouchet. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to him, and I'm like, okay, so do I, as a someone who wants to write, do I need an agent? And he's like, no, like, just do your thing in obscurity for, like, seven years and hope you get lucky and, like, just keep on plugging away at your craft and putting yourself into positions to be seen. But once someone realizes that they can make money off of you or you can make money or that sort of thing, the agent stuff will come, so... When I came back to Calgary, I was like, okay, I'm going to just plug away at trying to write and try and create stuff and that sort of thing, and mm -hmm. we'll see. Like, I don't know what will happen eventually or whether I'll, whether I'll, I'll uh, give up or something like that. Probably not. <laughs> no, they can't. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, so all of these Todd Levin, like, they were all just tremendously fun. Uh, Dan Cronin and Brian Stack, I ate Chipotle with him. Oh, nice. One time, um, he just happened to be at the Chipotle, and Jimmy Pardo used to be the, the warm-up comic. Yeah. 
And one time, um, I was leaving the studio, so it was taped at Warner um, Brothers lot, and the voice was taped across the street, uh, like just a kitty corner to where the Conan uh, studio was. So I was walking home, and Jimmy Pardo actually was heading the same way. And then as we're walking, Adam Levine hops into like a giant SUV. <laughs> and his bodyguards driving it and they back up and they almost backed over me and uh jimmy pardo oh man and uh i was like oh damn you <laughs> uh and i'm sure jimmy pardo probably would never remember any of this <laughs> but for me it was very vivid because i'm like oh you're this hilarious person and like i almost was killed by adam Libby. <laughs> that's a pretty uh it's a pretty la uh experience i would say yeah, it's pretty, it was amazing. Me and my wife both had lived at our homes forever, like our parents sheltered us forever. <laughs> so us moving to uh, Los Angeles, like, shouldn't have, we had never, like, had an uh, apartment of our own, or we had never had, we had to figure out everything. Wow. Like, and it was, like, learning to be self-sufficient in, uh, in, in like, the craziest place. Uh, in the world, although we're in Burbank, which is pretty not not too scary, but yeah, just growing up and being so sheltered, we had to like figure out how to buy a can of stuff and put it together, <laughs> and like I don't know, there was all these weird people who lived in our complex, like famous, like semi-famous, made-for-TV movie type people. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Um, <laughs> one time, I got to be an extra on Eagle Heart. Oh no way! Yeah. It was like uh, they put out a call at Conan saying, hey, anyone want to be involved in this taping? So I was like, oh, I totally want to be involved in that. So I drove out like super far and had no idea where I was going. And then I showed up to this restaurant and they were taping this, uh, an Eagle Heart episode around like the death of the blues or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So it was, yeah. So I just stood in the background. And, uh, Are you visible in the episode? I think I'm visible for like two seconds. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so it was like the my my biggest brush with fame there, I think. Although you'd see like all these different people kind of out and about and around uh, Los Angeles all the time. Or if you went to any of the comedy shows, like one comedy show that I went to, uh, it was like Sarah Silverman. It was like, Comedy Bang Bang at UCB and Sarah Silverman, Russell Brand, and Zach Galifianakis were all on the same show. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. There's all this crazy stuff, but like back to Conan stuff. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, Conan was just like the whole, they had like refrigerators full of uh, soda pop that you could just like open, take as much as you want and that sort of thing. I don't know. I was also like the older intern because it happened later in life for me. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of strange to be like kind of in between the age of the writers and and the ages of the uh, younger interns because I was a married guy essentially. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't like, I didn't go to any crazy like parties and that sort of thing. But uh, I stayed in contact with a lot of the interns afterwards and a lot of the interns have done uh, pretty crazy amazing things afterwards too like i think one of the interns started is a is a writer for colbert now uh one of the people that was i was there with at that time another one i think sold a show with his brother to tbs and they've they've done a pilot and stuff so people have done interesting stuff 
Wow. And then I just did some interesting tooling around Calgary stuff. Yeah, so you you uh, you're kind of a uh, a host uh, of your own and a curator of uh, of talent and a comedian in your own right. So, so uh, what's uh, what what's going on with your your stage show? So my stage show, I I was running a kind of I wanted to start like shows like I saw in Los Angeles. So find like a dingy place that would be bad if there's ever a fire or. Um, if there's ever sort of uh, anyone trying to escape or something like that, like find that type of venue and then pack it out with people. So I started doing a free show about eight months ago and then the bar kept on reaching kind of capacity. So they wanted to kind of toll the crowd a little bit. So we, we started charging uh, five bucks and it was going pretty good. Uh, and then I'm kind of taking a hiatus for a few months. Uh, one, because I want, I don't want people to lose interest. And then two, because I want to do more shorts. Like I want to write more, want to film more stuff. And then I want to, uh, perform more up, but more like kind of smaller spots so I can, I don't know, put together something that would be worthwhile to try and get me to some festivals outside of the city. Nice. Yeah. I've done a few festivals in Calgary and that sort of thing. But I would like to do more things or more interesting things, I guess. And I, I stopped, like, doing short films after uh, one. I, like, yeah, I, I'd stopped doing stuff. So I'm, I'm wanting to start doing more stuff. So that's why there's a hiatus on the show booking. That's good, though. So, like, recharge your, uh, your uh, I don't know how to say it, like, uh, I guess. your comedic batteries. Yeah, recharge my comedic <laughs> batteries. And then I... I have uh, family and stuff like that, so uh, we're expecting another uh, kid in another couple months. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, so we're uh, so I'm kind of getting prepped for that and that sort of thing too. And then uh, I don't know. I haven't been like I haven't been tweeting as much. I know that's <laughs> not important, but it's it was important to me. Like I was like I had set a goal when I was trying to at least get closer to this Conan stuff and that sort of thing, like to put out as much content and be as unselfconscious about it as possible. Mm -hmm. I think like when it happened, I was like, I don't know what next, like what happens next. I think like I'm trying to figure that out right now is like do like create more and then try and figure out what a goal from all of this crazy stuff is. Yeah. Just in the meantime, just keep plugging away and making stuff. Yeah, and I like that's the I I enjoy doing that the most type of thing. I realize like at the Conan thing is that for me, like I thought like oh that should be an end to in of itself kind of thing. Like oh I should have been happy. Like oh good, like that's a good story. But while I was there, I was immediately like what like I want to be here all the time, or I want to be working on a show, or I want to like how do I do more of this and how do I end up here again or we went to a psychic and the psychic said you'd end up back in Los Angeles within 10 years or something like that <laughs> so we'll see we'll see what happens but yeah the psychic's like you're gonna come back here and I'm like uh, I think you say that to everyone <laughs> but, yeah I don't know how she knew I was leaving but it probably because I talked too much and was like spilling I was like oh well I'm going back but I'm gonna want to come back here and she's like you're gonna you're gonna be back here she follows you on Twitter yeah, she falls on Twitter. <laughs> oh. But yeah, it's pretty interesting. Like it was, I don't know, Weird Al showed up one rehearsal and did a song. Uh, Steve Carell showed up. 
Seamus from WWE <laughs> uh, as uh, one of the tapings. Uh, I don't know, like the tapings you'd always see kind of uh, the who whichever celebrity, but the rehearsal was the amazing part where you got to see like Conan. Like I don't think a lot of people understand this, but like Conan is so smart, uh, or people might understand it, but I think like it, being the affable, uh, lovable guy that he is on the show when he's interviewing people, mm-hmm. I think he has to dial back so much of his quick-wittedness and intelligence for that almost that character, whereas when you see him maybe in remotes and that sort of thing, where he can truly be himself, yeah, I think you see more of what he was like during rehearsal, where he was just, like, very quick. Like, you can tell that he, like, I don't know, like, just a brilliant, brilliant person that... If they ever let him loose and he didn't have to be Mr. Nice Guy, <laughs> it would be so interesting. Uh, just And he would just kind of play guitar in between things while they're resetting the stage and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. he'd like, I don't know, jam out to Radiohead's Creep and that, that sort of thing. And like, I don't know, it was just crazy. Like the feedback that he got from the interns and the writers um, and what he felt about a bit was what ended up being on the show. So you would just like every day see all this crazy stuff and some bits would get worked on for the four months or or whatever that I was there and some of them never made it and would end up on the cutting room floor and that sort of thing but they were funny stuff that just he knew the voice of his show so he would kind of figure it out yeah no as an as an intern like how much like have you gotten a much chance to talk to Conan like during your during your time there or is it just kind of like you deal with other people and not, not so much him or did, did you like ever get a chance to actually chat with him about things or? No, I, so I never, the, the longest conversation I had with him directly was that last day. Oh, wow. I had that picture. We saw him all the, like he would be walking around all the time. And if you happened to be in the same room he was while you were doing some sort of internee task, mm-hmm. he would totally like joke around or riff or that sort of thing. But uh, in terms of having a sit-down interview with him, there was there was not too much of that. The writers are pretty accessible, like they were just any other staff person type thing, but like brilliant writers. Yeah. Um, but they were more than like you could sit down with them kind of whenever they weren't super busy um, and chat with them as much as you want. And Andy was around quite a bit, and I think if you wanted to, you could totally chat with him and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But Conan, I think there's like there was a variety of different things every day that he had to have done um, in order to have the show go off. So I think he was either in his office or going into one of the writer meetings, that sort of thing. Yeah, probably super busy. There was busy. like brilliant creative process stuff that I don't know. That I that you can learn from in terms of how they picked sketches and stuff. Like the head writer would read out the sketches um, at a writing team meeting, and then they would just based on like cold read them without saying whose name was attached to them, and kind of as I understood it, based on on uh, people's reactions, they would kind of decide with the ones that were a go mm-hmm. to develop further, and then the writers would go off and and they'd be their own project manager and develop those bits over time and that sort of thing. Hmm. Now, was that Mike Sweeney? Was he the head writer? Yeah. It's so funny because I, I know of him. Well, of course, you kind of see him on camera off to the side with Jeff Ross sometimes. Yep. But uh, as a kid, I always knew him as Lincoln because I think Conan had him dressed up as Lincoln. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some sketch. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was... All these people were... I Like, 
from a organizational culture perspective, I guess, all these people are just like super. Uh, I, I like. I mean, you could probably get different opinions from different people, but from my perspective, everyone within that organization treated everyone very equally, and like in terms of like it was, it seemed like a, a great environment for a writer and that sort of thing. Um, and I and. Yeah, people were just around. So there was like Josh Comers was one of the the writers there. Lori Kilmartin, who now I think is just a stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, she was writing there at the time. Dion Cole, uh, and then the the staff, like the the research people, the different kind of like um, like production people. A lot of them still are in contact with me on Twitter and that sort of thing. So, well, you're Team Coco for life, right? Yeah, it seems like it. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what what comes of it. But uh, in terms of like a, just like a life experience, it was just brilliant. I was very lucky to to have experienced it, I guess, and very very lucky that it happened kind of twice, or that I was able to have such a kind of integral moment of of TV history kind of directly uh, involved with my life was interesting. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, I, I knew that that was, uh, like, you had some sort of internship with Conan, and I knew it was around that time, and I, I had thought that uh, when you went to California, you had to come back because the show ended. I thought that was kind of the end of the story, but that's great to hear that, that you were there for uh, for Conan, the TBS show. Yeah, it was um, it was crazy. There was just so many, there, there's so many interesting, crazy things that, that happened over that time that i don't know it it was it one day i'll have to like jot it all down and that sort of thing but we had like we because i didn't get the internship at the tonight show we ended up my wife and i getting one day we went out for we were going to go out for sausages and the sausage place was closed so we went to the mall and we like impulse bought a wiener dog um (laughs) that we then he became our dog and the following year he was like basically our kid, and we had to drive in my Hyundai accent with no air conditioning down to California, uh, through like Nevada and all that sort of thing. And our dog was so like not used to heat and not used to any air conditioning that we would buy like bags of ice at at uh, gas stations and put it on the center console and literally like ice our dog <laughs> to get through to the next town or the next hotel and that sort of thing. Wow. And, like, I had barely done very much highway driving in Calgary and had to basically figure our way, like, figure my way out down there. But I was so determined to try and get down there that I was like, I need to figure out how to do this. Wow, I didn't realize you drove. Yeah, and then um, later on, one of my improv mentors, he's now a writer for Conan. Oh, really? Yeah, his name's Levi McDougal. Oh, okay, I've heard, I think I heard him on Am I Right? Yeah, so he's a, just a brilliant writer, and he was Dimitri Martin's writer slash uh, opening comic on all of Dimitri's tours and wrote for important things. And then uh, just this past year, I think he uh, got hired at Conan as staff writer. Awesome. So, so by weird happenstance, there's a couple people in Calgary that ended up somehow working or being at Conan. And they were, like, I mean, Levi kind of mentored me or kind of, like, encouraged me while I was an improv person. So so it was, it's just interesting that uh, 
Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, another another connection there. Yeah, so I don't know what will happen kind of down the line, but I think, like, I'd love to... Like, my dream was always then, like, I'd figure out a new dream, and I think it was to write for a show. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going to... I'll figure out what, what that entails eventually. As I'm... I think, like, everything that I've kind of experienced or done that's interesting in my life has arose from, like, either, like, a failure, like I failed as a mortgage broker, or, like, just a weird kind of coincidence that pushed me in a direction. So I think, like, we'll see over the next little while uh, what will happen. But it always ends up being, because I, I love writing comedy and love doing comedy, it always ends up being in that vein. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you got to take little breaks or, like, experience some other stuff going on in your life and then that informs kind of what you find is funny and that sort of thing and and then you don't know where you'll end up but it's always been interesting so sure no one has this stuff all planned out yeah so that yeah that's kind of was the the basic gist of kind of my story there yeah that's great yeah i I was lucky so now i gotta make something of it but takes it's all i think like sarah silverman or someone said like uh your overnight success seven years in the making so, <laughs> so you gotta just like plug away and do your thing yep and then uh hopefully you form form what your voice is and that sort of thing or you figure out what you actually want to do it's uh it's funny you you mentioned it earlier but i was watching because I, I my dvr is still filled i even have old late night with conan o'brien on my dvr that i just never deleted Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And uh, so I went back and I watched that last episode of The Tonight Show because just, you know, in preparing this week, I had watched and read, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. And I, I wrote down that last thing, that, that that quote you had mentioned where he just said, nobody in life gets exactly what they thought they were going to get. But if you work really hard and you're kind, amazing things will happen. So. Yeah, that, that was, uh, yeah, that's the point where I broke down in tears thinking I was never going to get that internship. <laughs> and I, we, I plugged away and then eventually it came around. Those are words to live by, I think. And I think like, uh, I don't know, it was just, I, I still, I, I still believe it. Like, I still think that as long as I'm trying to contribute and, and, uh, and create stuff and just trying to make people laugh or make people kind of happy that these amazing things will happen. And it's sort of characterized like, I haven't had the crazy luck since I've gone back in terms of writing for a new show and that sort of thing, but I I have gotten into, like, festivals and had some really cool stuff happen in those years since. So I'm like, you know what, as long as I'm kind of plugging away at these sort of things, then I trust that some cool stuff will arise from it. And if at the very least uh, I got to experience that and uh, got to make some really cool friends and that sort of thing, then that's all kind of worth it. So, well, that's awesome. That's a, that's an awesome story, and and you know, definitely. Thanks for coming on and, and sharing that with us. Yeah, no problem. I was wanting to be funny, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. Like the stories, like it was so. Um, I was so emotionally tied to everything that happened at the time, and that's so vivid. Uh, that and there's so much funny stuff going on, but like in terms of me, like. You'll have to have me on, and I can talk about like uh, like Paw Patrol or something like that, or like all the children's, like all the Sophia the First and Dora that I have to watch. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah, we definitely uh, set something up. 
Yeah. But yeah, that's that's kind of like the gist of all I kind of have in terms of that stuff. But that's great to have Conan forever on your resume. Yeah. That means yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you know, just being a kid watching that show and just kind of memorizing those bits and those sketches and you know, like I'd always like try to memorize the credits and read and see who those people are and you know, uh, and who they ended up becoming and there there's just been so many amazing things. I think like his, his show has just shaped so much of my sensibility that and so much of everyone's self sensibility and like, kind of what's popular and that's like I think Vine is like the perfect almost avenue for some of those Conan late night type bits. Um, if people actually really exploited it or the people who are great at it would probably be trying to do that sort of thing. So. Sure. Well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, your favorite Conan bits, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. Now, Jeff, do you have anything you want to plug uh, where people can follow you on Twitter? Anything you got coming up? I, th- I think the, the best thing to plug right now is... Uh, uh, follow at Jeff DeSilva on Twitter. And that's probably it right now. Follow up plugging my next tweet. It'll come out in like maybe midnight tonight or something. <laughs> All right. So everybody look for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am on Twitter at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I am also on Vine and there I do flip page cartoons, little humorous animations. And there my name is also MC and Friends. Uh, you can follow me there. If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, and if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. For Android users, we are also available to stream in or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio, and uh, a big announcement, we are now finally on the Google Play Music app. So if you are an Android user or you know anybody else that is one, uh, check us out there. Thanks for having me, Scott. It was awesome talking to you in person. I hope that uh, we get to talk again. Yeah, definitely. I love all the stuff that you're doing. Uh, the the vines are, are brilliant, uh, and your tweets and everything has been so smart and so funny and shows a lot of care into, uh, into the people that you're interacting with. Oh, thanks. And oh. a real appreciation of everything. So <laughs> I appreciate you having me on here. Oh, thanks. And I promise I'll be like way more funny. <laughs> no, we, well, this is uh this is something serious we had to, we had to get to. This was an interesting story, if anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and if I ever come out to Cape Cod, I'll, I'll have to, uh, knock on your door. And, there you go. And hang out. So, Oh, there's a cue to exit. Yeah, alrighty. <laughs> Alright, hey, thanks, Jeff. Well, we have been Jeff and Scott, and this has been Hitting Plate. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.